0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These words from the reading earlier from Zechariah chapter 2. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. How has the past year been for you? What about the past 10 years? The cover story in the December 7th issue of Time Magazine characterized the past 10 years as the decade from hell. That headline certainly grabbed my attention and I would suspect the attention of anyone who saw it. The decade from hell. The article in this issue of Time doesn't let you down either. It knocks you down. Listen. Bookended by 9-11 at the start and a financial wipeout at the end, the first 10 years of this century will very likely go down as the most dispiriting and disillusioning decade the Americans have lived through in the post-World War II era. So the writer asks, what went wrong? Why? Why did so much bad stuff happen in this decade? The writer answers those questions by saying that in a large part we have ourselves to blame. The raft of financial problems, our war with Islam, the collapse of much of our domestic auto industry, and even the devastation brought about by Katrina all came apart, came about at least in part by our neglect, greed, self-interest, and deferral of responsibility. It's almost as if we as a nation said in previous decades, why do today what we can put off until the first decade of the 21st century? So what does the article predict for the future? Interestingly enough, the writer of the article puts a positive twist on things. He then points to why the next decade will be better. He says, We as a nation still hold many of the world's trump cards. We have the world's strongest military, which means we can and must lead in maintaining order and crafting peace. We are the leaders in technological innovation. And we are still the nation that most others emulate. If we remember those points and avoid the easy outs of deferral and neglect, then the next decade will be a hell of a lot better than the last one. Mind you, a hell of a lot better. Do you see any parallels between the article in time and the way the people of Israel saw at the time of Zechariah felt? I wonder if they felt that they were currently enduring a time from hell. They certainly had been living under great oppression. But were things going to get better for them? It would certainly seem so, for God, through the prophet, calls the people of Israel to worship and praise when he cries out, shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live with you, declares the Lord. What a wonderful promise. But note this. It's not the promise that Zechariah puts first, it's the call to rejoice. Zechariah knew that in the midst of their rejoicing, Israel would most clearly see what God was going to do. And that's what I would like to make the central theme of this message. In the midst of our rejoicing, we cannot help but be open to what God does. It's God sets no conditions for when we are to rejoice. To us, just as he did with Israel through the prophet Zechariah, he declares, "'Shout and be glad, for I am coming, and I will live among you.'" And yet, because the times in which we live are anything but positive, it's easy, is it not, to shrug off God's call to rejoice? Most of us know that if we're going to rejoice with all our heart, or as Paul in his letter to the Philippians puts it, rejoice always, we're going to have to make a basic change of character. We're going to have to confess our selfishness, our apathy. We're going to have to forget ourselves. We're going to have to believe that true joy comes from knowing the forgiveness of God, as well as sharing that forgiveness with others. We're going to have to march to the beat of a different drummer than that to which our world marches. You do realize, do you not, that the drum is the musical instrument most like the human heart? For example, a muffled drum with its heartbeat of sadness, sorrow and heaviness can strike the notes of judgment and doom. The sound of a muffled drum, for that reason, is used at times of funerals, especially at the deaths of people of national significance. But that same instrument, by changing the beat, the pitch, the timber, or the drum head, can make us dance. Watch, for example, the toe-tapping of spectators at a Fourth of July parade. Catch the sight of the children as they sway back and forth and wave their hands as if they were directing a band at a Christmas concert. Feel the emotion that drums can lend to our worship. Now all of these sounds of the drum, the muffled as well as the upbeat, are aspects of our faith. We need to remember that the drumbeat of the dance is as much a part of the gospel as the drumbeat of judgment, God's call to repentance. Both remind us of God's presence in our lives. So God's call to joy here, to shout and be glad, should make our feet tap and our bodies sway and our hands clap because our songs say that we know that God is with us. Yes, that should fill our whole being, body, soul, and spirit, with the joy that comes from complete abandon and trust in the promises of God, the joy of experiencing that God's love is real, that God's love is for us. So in a time that is called a decade from hell, in the face of a world in which sin causes chaos and destruction, our God today offers us hope. He promises to come and live among us. Yes, because of the forgiveness that he offers us in the Christ, the Emmanuel, the God with us, the time is coming when things will be better. Yes, the time is coming when God will right the wrongs and restore the world to what it should be. So shout and be glad. In him we find strength and hope for the future and a hell of a lot better life. Than we could ever come up with on our own what's even better is this we don't have to wait christ has come he is in our midst so let the music begin sing and shout for joy in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen